Um, before I get started, I just, uh, I wanted to share a little bit, just from my perspective, what this process of becoming an elder was like for me. Because it's been about a year when, since we've started this. And I think in the beginning, we, we kind of talked about maybe six months, eight months um, before we would affirm or kind of see if we would affirm as an elder. And, and it's been about a year. And a lot of that has been on, a lot of that has been on my part. Because as I've gone through this process, and as, as Wade and Chris have kind of um, taken me through this process of becoming an elder, there was a lot of stuff that started to come up that I was like, ooh, that's, like I didn't, I didn't realize that was that deep, or that hurt that much, or that there was that much shame or guilt there. And so this process for me has been a, a kind of a sifting process in a lot of ways. A process that has kind of taken me back to, is this something that God has called me to, or is this something I just want to do because everyone thinks I should do it, right? Because I, I think, I, as I've gone through this process, I remember as early as probably about fifth grade, sixth grade, my friends telling me, oh, you, you, you're going to make a great pastor one day. Like, you listen really well, you give good advice, you always tell people about Jesus, like, you're going to be a great pastor one day. And so ever since then, junior high, high school, a lot of my friends and even, and even people I didn't really know would come up to me and be like, you're going to be a pastor, huh? And then when I went to college, they're like, you're going to college to be a pastor, aren't you? And even going to college, getting, deciding to get my degree in youth ministry was largely in part because that's what I felt like I should do. That's what everyone told me I might be good at, so... Let's give it a shot. It wasn't that I felt called to youth ministry. It wasn't that I felt like this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. It was like, well, this is what everyone says I should do. So I'm going to do it. And so this process brought a lot of that stuff up. Do I aspire to, be a, to lead this family, to equip this family, to love on this family, to serve this family? Because that's what I feel like everyone wants me to do or that I should do? Or is this something that God has given me a heart and a passion and has called me to do? So it's taken me about a year to really process through that. And it's been conversations with Jill. Like, hey, this is, this is what I'm thinking. Am I believing truth right now or am I believing a lie? It's been, it's been a lot of conversations with Chris, some with Wade, some with Will, some with Patrick, some in our DNA with Josh and John. Just processing life, processing through this stuff. And so it's been, it's been a long process, but I can, I can stand up here and faithfully say that this is something I feel like God has called me to. That he has given me a heart to love this family in a way that points you to Jesus and equips you to Love your neighbor as yourself, as we taught the kids this last month. So I just wanted to say that, and I wanted to say thank you to a lot of those people that have helped in that process, Chris and Wade and Will. Will's not here, but if you're listening, Will, thank you. Patrick, Josh, a lot of people have been a part of that process. God has used a lot of men, a lot of people in my life to help me process through that stuff. So... To all of you, thank you. And uh, let's get started.
We're going to read out of Acts today, Acts 2.42. This little section is called The Fellowship of the Believers. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. So just kind of a recap of where we're going. We've been kind of going through the basics, right? The basic tenets of what, what Missio communities, what we believe um, are the basic tenets of doing life together, of being church, right? And so we started with, there's, there's four basic questions we ask. Who is God? What has he done? Right? Who are we now? And now how do we live? So at the beginning, who is God? We talked about how God is great, right? God is good. God is glorious. God is gracious. He's great so I don't have to be in control. He is good so I don't have to find my satisfaction elsewhere. He is glorious so I don't have to fear others. He is gracious so I don't have to prove myself to anyone else. And because of who God is, we get to look at what he has done and the power and the purpose. And remember Chris hitting a nail tentatively through the board with such power and purpose that he could only do one before we were just awestruck with how much power he had. And so with power and purpose, what God has done He displayed his power over sin and death, conquered the grave, sent his son to live a perfect life, but to die a sinner's death, to display his power for the purpose of displaying his grace to the world, that his name might be glorified among every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And so now, we get to live because of those truths, because of who God is, because what he has done, now we get to understand who we are in light of that. That now we are a family of missionary servants. That we get to gather together as brothers and sisters who have been adopted into the, into the familial lineage of Jesus Christ. That he now calls us sons and daughters. And we get to live together as family serving one another, seeing whoever has need and meeting that need, loving each other like family, so that as we go through life, as we go to work, as we teach, as we shepherd our children, that we might display the goodness and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So now we get to this fourth question. And this fourth question, now how do we live? And I love that it starts with now. I'm, I'm pretty sure that that was on purpose. Because when it starts with now, how do we live, it kind of implies that it should flow out of the first three questions. Right? Those first three questions, who is God, what has he done, and who are we, should dictate how we live. It is when we trust and believe and have faith in those first three, the answers to those first three questions, that we are free to live how we're supposed to live, how we've been created to live. Because if we go backwards, if we start with how we live, and we begin to define our lives, our identity by what we are doing or how we are doing it, then our identity will start to revolve around that. It'll start to revolve around how well I'm doing at my job. It'll start to revolve around how well I'm doing as a parent or as a husband or a wife. And when our identity becomes wrapped around those things, what we are saying is, God, your power has no place here. I'm choosing to live my life out of the identity of what I do or how I do them. And so the power that you displayed over sin and death and the curse of sin has no place here because I'm, I'm choosing to live out of this. So the purpose you had behind dying on the cross, I'm choosing not to believe here. And then that begins to affect our perspective on who God is. Man, God is an ungracious, tyrant, behavior modification. God waiting just to whack me upside of the head and tell me I'm not doing a good enough job. So when we start with how we live, it affects everything else. But when we begin with who God is and what he has done and now who we are, then again, we are free to live on who we've been created to be. And so partly what we do as Missio, we have these things called blessed rhythms, right? And these are just a starting point, okay? These are not how all, this, this, is, not a, this is not a list for you to check off, okay? Because then you would be starting with the actions, how we should live. This is not a list of as long as I'm blessing, listening, eating, serving, and Sabbathing. No, speaking and Sabbathing. Then I'm doing good. Right? As long as I'm doing, because the reality of it is, we all do that. People who don't believe in Jesus do that. Right? We all know people that don't believe in Jesus that, that, bless, that bless other people, that give freely, who are great listeners, who eat, <laughs> right? Who speak, who rest and recreate together. So the difference is that when we are trusting who God is, what he's done, and who we are, then we are doing these things with intentional purpose to point them back to who God is. 
and what he's done and now how you could be. So bless is the first one. Bless starts, the B starts the bless. Intentionally bless others, Christians, non-Christians, people who are not like you, right? It's easy to give to people who you know will be appreciative of what you're going to give them. But to give to somebody without expecting anything in return is sometimes hard. We all like a little appreciation, a little validation. Especially if we're giving something out of, we may not have a lot to give, right? So what we're giving might cost us a bit. But the blessing part not comes just in the act of giving, but in the heart behind giving. Because like Chris said earlier, we are blessed to be a blessing, right? God blesses us, not so that we can keep it, not so we can just be like, cool, thanks, God. Ooh, I really needed that one. Good looking out. No, we are blessed so that we can understand that our good God, our good Father, wants us to bless others. The second one is L, listen. Listen to what God is saying. Listen to what God is saying to you through his word and through others. And also listen to the stories of others. This is one of the hardest things to do, to sit and listen. Not only just listen to what they're saying, but listen to what people are not saying. I try to do this with my students quite a bit, you know, because my students will share stories of what they did over the weekend or, you know, life. And I try to listen not just to what they're telling me, but I try and listen to the heart behind it. I try and listen to what they're not telling me. I try and ask questions to get there, to what they're not necessarily saying. Sometimes they won't go there. Sometimes they do. But listen. Listen to what the Spirit has to say to you through his word. Spend time in God's word and listen. listen. Listen to his word and listen to what his word says about who he is and what he's done and who you are. Eat, eat together. This we all do. This I love to do. This I love to do probably too much. But eat together. Invite people into your home. Or invite yourself into the home of somebody else. (laughs) Say, hey, I'd, I'd like to have dinner. When can I come over? Make it real uncomfortable. Have people in your home. Because it's a great, I mean, eating together is a great way to be intentional with conversation, right? It's a, it, it break, eating together breaks down a lot of barriers. It breaks down a lot of walls. You're eating together. I mean, kids are crazy. You know, everyone's chomping their food, and I start to go crazy, and my wife's like, chill out. 
You know, people, when people smack, and my students know this and my boys know this, so they do it on purpose now. But when people smack their food, oh, I just get like, I don't know. I get the chills, and then like, I think I start to get really red, because even some of my students are like, are you all right? And like, stop smacking your chips. They're like, oh, sorry, I didn't even know I was doing it. They're like, yeah, you were. But eat together. Be intentional with the conversation around your table. Whether it's with a non-believer that you've invited into your home, maybe a neighbor, maybe a friend from work. Whether it's your kids. We try and make at least one meal a day. It's usually dinner, right? Breakfast is usually like, if you have breakfast, it was a good morning, right? It's just trying to get ready for school and out. Lunch, we never eat lunch together. Well, on, sometimes on the weekends, but lunch is usually at school. Dinner's like the one meal for us where we're like, uh, media's off, everything's off, and we, entri- we try and be intentional with the conversations around eating. Highs and lows for the day, favorite part of the day, worst part of the day. How can we be praying for you? What's going on at school? What's going on with work? Be intentional with eating in those conversations. Which leads into the next one. Speak. Not only speak the truth of the gospel and who God is to, to people that do not believe or do not know, but speak to God. Speak to God with who, what is going on in life. Be honest in confession. Repent if need be. Glorify him. Praise him for what he is doing. We practice a regular rhythm of evidences of grace. I've been trying to do that in my prayer time. Try to remember what God has has done, what he is doing, and then praising him for it, acknowledging it, and then speaking it back to him. God, thank you for working this out. Thank you for doing that. God, I need you in this area. Speak to God through prayer. And as we listen, as we eat together, we'll be able to speak freely the truth of the gospel to those who do not know. Whether it's in a different country, whether it's with a neighbor, whether it's a friend from school, be intentional with the conversations, with the words you speak to others. And the last one, Sabbath. Be intentional about taking both time to rest and recreate. I'm really good with the rest part. The recreate, my wife is really good at, right? Me and my oldest son, we're good at the rest part, right? We get home from school, we get home Friday, we're like, I don't want to go anywhere or do anything this weekend. Like, pool, nap, and eat. That sounds great. Video games. Um, Video games. Not me, but for him. But that's rest. I mean, we're we're just like, yeah, just let me rest. And, And Jill, my wife, she's like, let's go somewhere. Let's do something. And I'm like, that doesn't seem great right now. And yesterday, I mean, 
she's talked about this idea for a long time, and she finally bought on Groupon this, the ski lift to the top of Mount Hum- Humphreys up in, uh, up in Flagstaff. She bought some tickets on Groupon, so she's like, hey, let's go, let's go. Let's, we, we already have these tickets, let's go. And I was like, oh, okay. And usually what ends up happening is she has these great ideas of what we should do or what she wants to do, and then it, she usually wears me down over time. So this has been a few months in the making, and so finally, I'm like, all right, you know, let's go. She's like, no, I bought them for your mom's birthday. And so I was like, oh, well, I, well, I kind of have to go now. Like, it's for my mom's birthday. And so, but, and so we, we ended up going up there yesterday. And all of us were like, even my older, we're like, man, this is, this is so beautiful up here. It's like 82 degrees. Like, why have we not, I, I said, why have we not done this earlier? And she, and she just looks at me like, no, don't even start. <laughs> and she says, I have these great ideas, just nobody listens to me. <laughs> My wife is a recreator. She loves to get outside. And either by force or manipulation, she gets the rest of our family outside. <laughs> and for that, we love her. Because going up the ski lift, I don't know if you, you saw my gram, going up the ski lift... I'm riding it with my youngest, and I said, dude, isn't this great? He's like, yeah, Dad. I'm like, what does this remind you of? What does this make you think of? He's like, God? I was like, yes. Yes, it reminds you of God. Like, look around. Like, we have a good creator. He created these things. And so recreate together. Sabbath together, rest, right? And again, bless, listen, eat, speak, Sabbath. When we start here and choose to get our identity out of these things and allow these things, these good things, these rhythms of life to define who we are, when we make this a checklist, then we make this the center of our lives. Then we will bless others in a way where we are manipulative and are expecting something in return. We'll bless somebody else or give somebody else, not for the fact of pointing them to Jesus, because maybe I might get, maybe one day I'll need something and they better give me that thing back. Right? When we're making this, when we start here, we listen with the intent of maybe hearing something about someone's life that I might be able to use against them one day. Or hearing some juicy gossip that I really want to know. Right? When we start here, eating can be abused and manipulated. Speaking, we can speak. There's a reason the tongue, the tongue is mentioned in the Bible We can speak some harsh words. We can use our words to build each other up or to easily tear each other down. And Sabbath, let's be honest, if we start here, if we start to identify ourselves and create our identity about what we do or how well we are doing them, Sabbath rest is usually the first thing to go. I don't have time to rest. I gotta get this stuff done. I don't have time to recreate. Time to go to Flagstaff and go up a ski lift. Do you understand? I got to get this stuff done. This is my identity. I have to do this. 
But when we start with who God is and what he has done and now who we are, we bless to be a blessing, to point others, to freely give because we have been lavishly given to. We are able to bless out of a love for others and a love for Jesus. When we start with who God is and what he's done and now who we are, we're able to listen to the stories and to the hearts of others. And we're able to freely and more accurately hear what the Spirit is saying. Because it's not being filtered through all of this other self-gratification, selfish identity. We're able to eat because we know that God provides. We're able to invite others into that rhythm of eating together because we know that God is a God who provides all. We're able to speak the truth of the gospel to others because we are for them. We're able to speak the truth of who God is and what he's done and now who we are because that's what our lives are being lived out of. And we're able to Sabbath, we're able to rest, and we're able to recreate because we know we, God is great and we are not in control. So we can freely take a day and just say, God, it'll be there tomorrow. I'm gonna choose today to rest. I'm gonna choose today to recreate and enjoy your creation. Because I know your grace will be sufficient for me tomorrow. So that is how now we should live. And again, this is not an exhaustive list, right? As you begin to dive into God's word, you will see more and more of who God is. Yes, God is great. He is good. He is glorious and he is gracious, but he is so much more. You'll begin to see the very character of God as you begin to dive into his word. And as you begin to dive into his word, you'll be able to see what he has done. What he has done, what he is doing, and what he will continue to do throughout all of time, throughout all of eternity. So, let's go in the grace of God, having full faith and assurance of who God is, what he's done, and now who we are. And now we are free to live in these blessed rhythms. Because God has created us as a family to serve one another and to show the world what he has done. Amen? Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are. God, thank you for giving us this book that 
is a testament to who you are, your character, your goodness, your greatness, your glory, Jesus. God, may we be a people, may we be a family, God, who looks to serve one another, not for selfish gain, not so we can get something back, but so we can show one another and the world around us, our neighborhood, our city, our state, what it means to be a follower of Jesus. God, in an age where our identity is so much wrapped up in what we do or how well we do them, God, may we be a people set apart, set apart by trusting in who you are and what you've done so that we can live in such a way that draws people in. Like it said in Acts, numbers were added to them daily because they saw how your people were living. So Jesus, may you use this church, this family, to live in such a way that people are drawn to who you are to your grace, to your mercy. Jesus, may you be glorified in and through us. Into your name we pray, amen. Now we get to eat. Not cake yet. It's my son. We get to eat. We get to partake in communion. God, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Right? As he breaks the bread, he says, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body broken for you. And as we take the cup, this is the blood of the new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. And so as we take the bread and remember how God displayed his power through his son, Jesus Christ, that his body was broken and his blood was spilled. So that his grace and his mercy and his love might be known through all nations, through all over the world. May we remember what he has done. So go, as you take the bread and as you take the cup, remember who God is. Remember what he has done. And remember who we are now as we take this. This is a time you can give your tithes and offerings on either side. Go as a family. As a family of missionary servants, go as an MC. Gather together and remind each other of the truth of who God is and what he has done. And then we'll come back together.